and welcome to The Bunker. I'm Roz Taylor. More than 134,000 Ukrainian refugees have arrived in the UK since the war broke out. How are they coping? What are their lives like? And have we kept our promise to look after them? Stan Benish is a trustee and founder of the charity Opora, which works with Ukrainian refugees. Welcome to The Bunker, Stan. Hi, Roz. Thanks for having me. You're of Czech heritage, aren't you? How did you get involved in Opora? It's more of a personal story, I guess. Um, Our founder is uh, a gentleman named Yegor, uh, who is a friend of mine. He's uh, Ukrainian by birth from Odessa. Uh, We met in the Czech Republic uh, in school. And at the outset, uh, I asked whether he wanted any help. And I've uh, been with Opora ever since. So the way this works in Britain is different from the EU, who I think granted visas automatically to Ukrainians who wanted to go there. In Britain, you have to find a sponsor before you can travel here if you're Ukrainian. How easy has that been? I think that's a relatively complicated answer, to be honest with you, because there is no one stream through which people can get to the UK. Uh, There was perhaps a little misconception at the beginning when the Homes for Ukraine scheme was announced um, and there was an expression of interest form on the gov.uk pages uh, that people could sign up for to sponsor, not knowing that that doesn't actually start any formal process um, of connecting with someone from Ukraine uh, because there was no such process. Um, It ended up being the responsibility of charities like ours to set up our own platforms and our own ways of matching people. The reason why we set up this, uh, the the, the platform for matching was because the initial guidance from the government as to how to find someone to sponsor or someone to sponsor you is to go on social media, which we thought was negligent, to be honest. And unfortunately, a lot of people did find some sort of connection, some sort of match via Facebook. I say unfortunately, because even though it could be perfectly fine, it's not the best. um, It's not the best introduction uh, in many circumstances. So the lesson is, if you're thinking of doing this, to go via a charity like yours rather than go via Facebook. Yes, I think people might find Facebook easier just because they're familiar with it. But as I said, it's not the best. Uh, it's not the best ecosystem for it. You know, uh, the way that we facilitate matches. On the one side, on the the host side, you answer a few basic questions: how much space do you have, how many rooms, where are you, LGBT friendly, allergies, pets, that kind of thing, and a short bio. And the same thing on the other side. So uh, the Ukrainian person or family could put in the same information, uh, short bio, and then choose to connect uh, through the platform. Um, other organizations do a much more involved process of, of hand matching, of interviewing, of you know whatever else goes into that. So the host committed to six months. When you look at the national picture, how many of those relationships have held good and not broken down? I guess the first answer is the majority of people have had a reasonably positive experience uh, on the scheme. Just anecdotally, um, about one in four people have had to change address since they moved to the UK for for whatever reason. Um, And one in six of those said that they had relationship difficulties with the sponsor and had to move, which 
it's not a it's not a small number. It's not a small amount of people, obviously, but it's not the majority. You know, the, the the media coverage has been relatively negative on this front, which is perhaps unfortunate. It's important to highlight gaps and issues on on the scheme and with the program, obviously. Um, but our experience has been that the vast majority of sponsorships, the vast majority of relationships, have had a relatively positive experience. So there must be quite a few Ukrainians now trying to move into the private rental market after their six-month initial placement has ended. I mean, that is difficult enough for anybody in Britain. It must be doubly difficult if you're Ukrainian. How are they managing? Well, not not so well, not not as well as anyone would hope. And uh, you, you say it yourself, it's difficult for anyone. Um, so the underlying systemic issues are there. And on top of that are the specific barriers that this cohort faces. Um, we did a survey of our Ukrainian community in October, and we found that up to this point, 10% had managed to uh, find private accommodation to rent, which is heartening in some sense because obviously it's possible but it's once again it's it's not a big number and you would hope at this point that there would be more people in that circumstance so one in ten have managed to move on somewhere else and then another six percent have discussed the situation with the sponsor and have decided to stay with a sponsor for a certain you know price as as you know tenants going forward um, so that's that's the overall picture. The vast majority of people are either still within the initial sponsoring period or are having difficulties uh, fi- finding somewhere to rent. And the overwhelming majority of Ukrainians here are women and children, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So uh, according to uh, visa st- statistics in uh, late September, 87% of the arrivals on uh, the Ukrainian visas were uh, women with children. And how are kids coping? Because maybe they're having trouble finding school places or perhaps they're trying to keep up with Ukrainian school online and there must be quite a few language barriers going on. Yeah, definitely. So I guess two parts to that. Um, Hardeningly, in our community chats, anecdotally, um, whilst we do see challenges about in-year school admissions, uh, that's only a few people. Uh, Most seem to be able to find a place relatively easily. Uh, That's not to say that there aren't issues or barriers once again, but overall it's a a fair enough picture. Uh, In terms of keeping up with Ukrainian school, yeah, that is a definite added pressure, um, which, you know, it comes with the the, uh, lack of knowledge about whether people will be able to stay and you know will stay in the UK so keeping up with Ukrainian school for many parents for their children is 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 quite important it does pose a lot of pressures obviously ideally it wouldn't be the fact but yes it happens many Ukrainian children in the UK are studying to some extent both systems in parallel Britain at the moment It's not a happy place, I would say. It's often not an easy place to live. Um, Has the British government kept its promises to Ukrainians who've come over? It's once again difficult to know which promises uh, we should should look at. Um, The initial promise that there will be some framework, some structure of support for Ukrainians coming over... um, 
to some extent has been fulfilled because there is a quite an unprecedented uh, visa scheme available to Ukrainians coming over. That is a definite positive. The follow through, uh, unfortunately, hasn't been that great, mostly because the operationalization of Homes for Ukraine actually happens on the local authority level. And as I said before, there are quite a few inconsistencies in terms of capacity, in terms of approach, uh, in terms of demographics, and in terms of resources of local authorities. Uh, so the experience of people coming over to you know, Authority X will be quite often vastly different to you know uh, people Go, uh, settling in authority why uh, so it's it's the inconsistency and the, and the follow-through that has been somewhat lacking uh, initially there was no guidance uh, in terms of um, you know the national government there was really no guidance as to what the what the process is going to be how to properly apply how to find people what resources there are you know no signposting whatsoever which is why organizations like ours popped up and stepped up as time has gone on, uh, the government has responded to that, and there are resources, um, but it's been far too slow. So in its ideal form, yes, the promise has been kept in that there is visa scheme for three years available to people fleeing Ukraine. The follow-through has been a bit lacking. What do Ukrainians find hardest about life in Britain? There are... Many things, really. It's it's a it's a different system. It's a different culture. It's a different language. Uh, language barriers are are definitely up there. Um, many people speak English to some extent. Uh, not very many people speak English enough or well enough to be comfortable in everyday conversation. In you know building relationships in English. You know, housing is 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 difficult, as we've said. Um, Parenting is is an issue sometimes when it comes to relationships with their sponsors because expectations as to how to raise children uh, differ, um, as they would between anyone, really. Um, when it comes down to it, the, the point that I like to make is that... Of course, there are specific issues and specific barriers with, uh, with this situation and with it, this cohort, but it would be difficult for anyone, no matter where you're from, whether it's, you know, another English person moving in with, with an English person. It's it's the nitty-gritty day-to-day mundane stuff that is that is difficult in terms of relationship upkeep. And also expectations around healthcare are are something that people face quite commonly. Uh, we have we have quite extensive uh, community chats uh, of Ukrainians in the UK on Telegram. And one thing that often comes up is different expectations around healthcare. You know, what's available and how long does it take, really? A lot of these people must feel quite traumatized. You know, they've left a war zone. They don't know if they'll be able to go back. They don't know much about what the future holds for them. Is there much support for them? There is. There is ad hoc support, really. I think generally... The, the message is that there is great potential on, on this program and with this scheme. The difficulty is that there are inconsistencies depending on where the people find themselves, in what uh, sponsorship relationships they find themselves. There's differences between local authorities as to what amount of support is available. There is definitely support. Um, the issue is is awareness uh, because obviously people have come here and you're right there there's you know people have, will have experienced trauma both 
back in Ukraine before they got to leave, however long that was, and also in the in, on, on the journey over, that was very rarely an, an easy journey. Um, and then perhaps also here in the UK with uh, barriers to integration, the cultural shock and, and everything else that comes with it. Have you been heartened by some of the ways in which individuals have been stepping up? Definitely, yeah. I think this scheme wouldn't have existed, uh, we believe, without such a massive response, especially at the outset. Um, it's it's fair to say that this government wouldn't have been quite as active or proactive uh, because this is immigration uh, in, uh, at the end of the day, um, were it not for such a massive response. So definitely a massive kudos to all those people that stepped up, especially at the beginning, because without them, we wouldn't really be here. And are there particular areas which are seeing you know, more Ukrainians than, than others? Are we beginning to see small communities develop? Yeah, um, there are definite hotspots in the major cities. London was very, very sought after uh, because obviously it's the capital. Most people have heard of it. It's a big city. They think a lot. there's a lot of opportunity there, which there is. Um, I'm, I believe they may not have been expecting the, the massive prices. Um, and, you know, the rental sector problems in London aren't, uh, are, are pretty significant as well. Um, but there are a lot of people in London, uh, a lot of people in the southeast and southwest, um, and Scotland is home to about 13% as well through the super sponsor scheme. Uh, so yes, hotspots in major cities and in the south of England and Scotland through the super sponsor scheme. And it can be difficult, obviously, for women with younger children, especially to find jobs that they can do, can fit in. Um, are Ukrainian women finding it uh, possible to get jobs? Um, that's another thing that came through in our survey. Uh, one of the main barriers that people are facing uh, to, you know, sustainable integration and rebuilding their lives in the UK is finding the level of work that is equivalent to what they were doing in Ukraine. So people are finding jobs. Uh, based on the latest ONS survey, 56% of adult Ukrainians are now employed. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest issue is that those jobs may not be of the level that you know they, they, they would like to be doing, uh, that it's not of the level that they were doing previously. And it might not be the level that will sustain them going forward. Christmas is coming and there may be quite a few people listening to this podcast who might not have been able to take in Ukrainian refugees, but they might be wondering if there's anything that they can do practically to help. What would you say to them? I think donating to, to relevant charities is obviously a big one. Um, deciding whether sponsoring um, any more uh, people or, or new people coming over is viable. Um, and just generally staying aware of the fact that this hasn't gone away that the war continues and there are more people in need uh, day by day and that the people already here are you know they're they're safe from 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 the war which is great but they still need support thanks so much for joining us stan no worries thank you for having me if you'd like to support the bunker to carry on making podcasts you can do that by searching patreon bunker podcast i'm ros taylor and thanks for listening 
Hello, I'm Ros Taylor with news of Oh God, What Now? The politics podcast that's never going to leave its voter ID at home. On Friday's show, it's six months until the US election and Donald Trump is stuck sitting on trial in a New York courthouse. Is he bulletproof or can Joe Biden turn around the polls? In the second half, it's local elections week, but we've steadily taken power away from local authorities. What if we gave it back? And in the extra bit for supporters, is there a right level of ruthlessness in politics? That's Oh God, What Now? with me, Ros Taylor, Raphael Baer, Hannah Fern, guest Nikki McCann-Ramirez, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. The Bunker was presented by Ros Taylor. Audio production was from me, Robin Lieber, and the producers were Alex Reese and Jack Gerbert. Assistant production from Kasia Tomashevich. Lead producer is Jacob Jarvis, group editor is Andrew Harrison, and our theme tune is by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production. <laughs>